Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, we made it. Happy New Year 2022. Keeping it 94 faithful. Spencer Davies, Brian Fritz. Bringing you another episode as part of the basketballnews.com podcast network. The NBA heading into the winter season here. I know here in Cleveland, it's howling wind outside at the moment. It's going to start snowing. I'm not going to be happy. Bitter, bitter freezing temperatures are on their way. But at least we have some basketball keeping us afloat. Talk about the Bulls who've won eight in a row. Going to get into some MVP talks. Kyrie Irving comes back Wednesday night. We're recording this on the afternoon of. Just watched the Cavs and Grizzlies go toe-to-toe. Great, great ball game. Memphis taking back-to-back wins on the road at Brooklyn and then at Cleveland. What a time for that franchise at the moment. I'm sure Brian's going to get into LeBron James. The center. And I, I, as I call him, jump shot James. But he is putting the Lakers on his back. They're one game over 500. And things are looking up a little bit, a little bit there in Tinseltown. So, yeah, let's get into it. Brian, hope you had a happy, healthy New Year. Good holidays. But now it's that time, that awkward time after the holidays where you have to kind of readjust and get back into the flow of things. Yeah, that's the way it is for everybody. And um, I'm glad that uh, you had a very good holiday season. Hope everything went well. And um, so here's the big question for you, though, because I, I'm sure you're big on this because I am not. And I'm just going to assume that you are. Uh, what are your New Year's resolutions? My New Year's resolutions? Oh, God. And, you know, I didn't even tend to think about those things at this point. I never um, think about how about them. how about this? How about stop aging? Stop aging. Is that, is that possible? Can that be a resolution? Can I don't think you do age, though. Ah, you, you know, I mean, you're no Ralph Macchio, but, you know, I mean, but who is Ralph Macchio? I mean, people don't realize this. And if for anybody watching the fourth season of Cobra Kai, Netflix's number one show right now, or uh, recently seen him do some other um, PR appearances, believe it or not, Ralph Macchio, a.k.a. Daniel LaRusso, the Karate Kid, is 60 years old. He looks Amazing. like he's 30. No, yeah, for sure. And some of that, some of that's got to do with Hollywood. You know, they have some ways to, you know, enhance images and videos and whatnot. But I'm I've just talking strictly. I mean, I've heard there's cults you can join and they help with the de-aging process. Oh, wait, that's <laughs> probably not true. Okay. <laughs> so I'm talking more of the sense of just 
the number. I, you know, physically, I feel like I'm going to look, you know, young for a good portion of my life. I've got good genes and all that stuff. But, you know, can, can you just stop when you hit the third decade? Because, it, you know, it's still a little ways away. I got until March 31st. That's when the big 3-0 will hit for your boy here. But that was what I was thinking. I was like, okay, it's 2022. I was born 30 years ago. Can we just stop the aging process? And, and that's not necessarily a, a resolution. That's more of kind of like a inventive idea in some sorts of ways. So you want to go um, Benjamin Button because you're about Benjamin to be 30. Button, yes. Okay. Now, um, can I give you a spoiler alert? Um, fast forward to just over a year from now, 2023. And while you're worried about hitting uh, three zero, next January... I'll be hitting five zero. <laughs> maybe I'll feel less bad at that point. Maybe, maybe, maybe. But that's okay. Uh, realistically, though, New Year's resolutions. Uh, I have nothing. I, I guess you know, be healthy, be able to do some things, and you know, live life a little more once all this craziness you know hopefully settles down. That's about it. I like. I, I don't have anything specific. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. What about yourself? I really don't do New Year's resolutions because, you know, I I never stick to them anyway. And it's just kind of if it's something that I really want, it's just like I shouldn't need a um, the new year to make me want to do that. Right. You know? And, and it, the funny thing is, too, like, you know, I'm not going to lie to myself and say, oh, I'm going to work out twice a week or three times a week and because I know, it, you know, it won't last past a month. Well, I have been doing like that, that, though. I've been doing that for like the last four months. Oh, boy. So I, I've been doing it and I've lost a little bit of weight. Um, you know, nice. not, not where I want to be yet. Um, I mean, got to clean up the diet probably a little bit more. There's, there's some, uh, some green items that are still missing from my diet. Um, but outside of that, I mean, I have been going to the gym more and got more of a, I guess, a more regularity when it comes to that. But, um, yeah, I mean, outside of that, I don't know what other New Year's resolutions I really want to get into. I don't, I don't drink, I don't smoke, um, and I love cussing, so I ain't giving that up. Never, never, <laughs> never doing that. How about this? That. How about I'll continue cooking? How about that? That yeah. I didn't start cooking until like March last year, so you know, just continuing to cook. How about that? I don't know if that's a resolution because I've already been doing it, but we'll see. Uh, I think that. Uh, you know, that, that, uh, those meal kits really do you well. I can't and wait I to travel because I'm going to come up and hang out with you on a yeah. weekend and you're going to cook for me. It's going to be great. I can flick the wrist. I like it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. We talked a little bit about new year's resolutions. Let's talk about what's going on in the league right now. The first thing you got down here on the outline is the bulls and they are just wrecking teams at the moment. Like it's, it's not like, you know, necessarily blow out fashion, but they're, they're winning. They've, they've taken on eight in a row. DeMar DeRozan became the first player in NBA history to hit game winning shots on back-to-back nights. Uh, Zach Levine looks good. Nikola Vucevic is rounding into form. They're obviously getting healthier because they were one of the first teams to go through COVID protocols. You are asking on here, what piece do they need before the trade deadline, which is an interesting thought. Uh, especially, you know, when you look and survey around the league, trade talks have been pretty damn quiet to this point. 
but Jeremy Grant's a name that keeps coming up. And, you know, you think that that would be probably a similar, you know, seamless fit into there. But then you look at the money and all that stuff. Um, Chicago's rolling right now. And, you know, I, I'm almost in that same place where, you know, again, moves around the edges. Like, I, there's teams in need of a shakeup. Like, if you look at Portland or if you look at Indiana, like, yeah, those are the ones that you want to inject some life into the team. But this team right now, they, they don't need a bump. They don't need a boost. They're just, they're doing what they're doing on what moves they made over the offseason and, you know, relative growth and, you know, developing their rookies like Io DeSumo, like Javante Green is another one. Like, I don't think that they necessarily need that extra push. Any kind of move that they need is just getting healthier is, you know, getting Caruso back um, and maybe another move around the fringe. And I don't know if that's like a minor move at the trade deadline or if that's for them, it might be better suited to just get a buyout candidate because a lot of times that's going to be a veteran. And maybe that's something that you need with this team is just somebody that you don't have to worry about a long-term commitment for and somebody that's just going to help you, you know, in the now. And I I think that's kind of probably what they're looking at uh, because this team got off to a, a solid start on the season and we've just seen the chemistry grow from there. And DeRozan has been amazing. The way that he has fit with Zach Levine and Lonzo Ball. And How about Caruso. Kobe White, man? Kobe White's averaging almost 18 a game over his last seven. You know? And he needed to um, because Caruso's been out. And I think he's kind 47 of... 47% from deep. Yeah. Dishing out assists. Playing some decent defense. You know, we always were thought coming into the season, what would happen with Kobe White? Would he be one of those guys that could be on the block because of an overarching you know, amount of guys in that backcourt room. Uh, this is where you're seeing the depth payoff. Uh, and, you know, you're also seeing Kobe come into his own uh, with these new teammates. And, the, and you mentioned Vucevic, which has been a big part of this because we all know that, you know, he's been banged up and then he got out to a really slow start. And then now he's starting to round into form. And I think the good thing about Vooch, and it comes with his personality as well, is that I think he recognizes what he needs to bring to this team. Yeah, he can score, but he doesn't need to be the scorer on this team. I think he realizes, like, I need to focus on rebounding and just being able to create some different shots that other guys can't do or something that's going to help take advantage of my position um, and the matchups. And there's going to be nights where he's going to put up more points, but he doesn't need to be a volume guy. And if he dominates on the boards and if he can play good defense, he's never going to be a great defender. But if he can be a good defender, that's what this team needs. And he's added an element since he's come back and gotten healthy. And you can see it with this team. And now, you know, eight in a row and sitting on top of the Eastern Conference. It's never easy being the the quote-unquote third guy, you know, We've seen so many examples in the past. Chris Bosh in Miami, Kevin Love in Cleveland. Not to the point where I'm talking that Nikola Vucevic, you know, is is essentially comparable to these guys because they are kind of a different position. Vuce is more of a big, but he's also still a stretch big like those guys were. And not knowing where your shots are coming from, uh, you know, having to kind of fit in with that. I know that Vooch was the, was there before DeMar was there, but just speaking from a, 
a usage standpoint, um, you know you can go to him when you need to, when Zach Levine's out, when DeMar DeRozan's out, and you need him to be, uh, you know, a primary or secondary scorer. He can do that. He's proven he can do that in Orlando in the past. But when your role changes and those guys are back into the fold, like you said, buying into your role, crashing the glass, hitting a few threes here or there, getting in a, a jump hook, you know, uh, you know, picking pops. That's what you're needed to do. Not, you know, sit there uh, and, and post up and you're the one that the, the offense runs through. So I think that Vooch is doing a good job of recognizing that since guys have come back into the fold. And again, it's been kind of difficult for uh, this team, even being at the top of the Eastern Conference, uh, to play with their fully healthy roster, their full cast of characters. So I think that Vooch being able to, to recognize where his value comes from, what he can do best, that's extremely helpful. So when it comes to the initial question of like what other piece do you think they could use before the playoffs, what do you think that is? Do you think it's a big I, I immediately or a thought I, I immediately thought of Jeremy Grant. Yeah. But the problem is I don't know what money makes that work. That's that's the the issue of this. Uh oh, by the way, too, the you know, the the Bulls um not having Patrick Williams to start the season and not having him for a while now. Lonzo Ball just got back, by the way, from health and safety protocols. Um, so that's another person that they're adding, supposedly. Like, And that, that, that's what I wanted to bring up, too, and I couldn't think of his name before, but Patrick Williams, like, to get him back, I mean, that kind of fits similarly enough to, like, when you're talking about, you know, Jeremy Grant. But I, I just wonder, like, would they be better suited getting another big? Or would they be better suited getting another wing, especially a wing defender? Well, I think they like Derek Jones Jr. in that position. Um, they've they've put a lot of trust into Alfonso McKinney, who you know came in on a ten day and has you know essentially come in and been you know a, a really solid reserve for them. Um, I, yeah, I mean a wing, but I feel like. Jeremy Grant's kind of that hybrid the uh, type. And, you know, you're looking at somebody who's averaged over 20 points a game since he's arrived in, De- in Detroit. Um, is he the most reliable three-point shooter? I mean, he can make them. And he'll, get, he'll draw attention. You know, he, he's a hell of a defender. Um, he's really disruptive as a defender. Um, he can put the ball on the floor. My God, have you seen how many free throws he's averaged since he's gotten to the Pistons? Uh, over six, over uh, six point four and six point one a game uh, his first two seasons there. Um, so he's not just a, a you know three and D guy. He'd be kind of like your your uh, Swiss Army knife of sorts uh, for the Bulls if if they were able to find a way to to get him there. And depending on what Detroit would ask for, I'm sure De- Detroit's gonna really try and get something big out of him, but you know, 20 million or so in salary, you'd have to put together. Let's look at the, the bulls, you know, cap sheet here. I'm looking at right now. You'd have to include Pat Williams. You'd have to include Kobe white. Um, and, uh, if you put Troy bound jr in there and then tight, you know, put some picks, maybe, I mean, that money wise, that would work. I don't know if that's enticing enough for Detroit. 
Um, well, here's yeah, here's the thing though. The, the 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 positive of that deal is that Detroit would get back somebody at the position they just lost. Patrick power forward. Uh, they already have their small forward of the future with Cade Cunningham's point guard slash small, small forward, I guess I should say. But they would get somebody back like Patrick Williams, um, who is extremely young, fits the timeline, and uh, is is a uh, you know markedly improved uh, before he went down. Uh, as you saw with the splits of last year. Um, you know, towards the tail end of the season and what they were expecting out of him too, um, come, uh, this season before, uh, he went down with the, you know, the, the wrist injury. So I mean, is it enough? Is it enough? That's, that's hard to tell, but at the same time, the the Pistons have been looking for a point guard all these years. I mean, I, I don't know if Kobe White's exactly the setup guy they're looking for, but he's definitely somebody who can light up a threes, um, hasn't really been given the opportunity to be a starting point guard other than one year with the bulls. And that didn't really shake out very well. Um, change of scenery could help in that situation. Uh, just spitballing here. You yeah. Know? But I mean, I say all this because we're now a good chunk into the season. We're, you know, 35 games in the bulls are 25 and 10. They're not going away. Okay. They're just not. I do not expect them. It would have to be something injury-related for them to really take a tumble here. And I think when you look at you know, the way that they're playing uh, and you look at the overall of the league and how topsy-turvy everything is being, it's, it's really, really tough to, to put a finger on this league right now. I think the only definitive things you can sit there and say are like, I know the Warriors, I know the Suns, and the Jazz are going to be there in the West. Thank you. Then, you said the jazz. Thank you. That was very yeah. respectful of you. And then in the East, you know, I, the nets are on a little bit of a tumble right now, but you expect them to be there. The bucks probably haven't, you know, put it in the fourth or fifth gear yet, but you expect that to be there. And then the bulls and because of the way that they're playing, I expect them to be there and you start looking at, okay, now we're at this point in the season, let's keep playing. Well, let's keep doing what we're doing, but what is that other piece when it comes to making a push in the playoffs, because I think they have a real chance of winning a championship this year, which I did not expect, you know, come the beginning of the year. And I really wondered about the whole chemistry of the Bulls. But I think if you start looking at them now, you know, I don't know if I'd put them as the favorite in the East just because they have the best record. I wouldn't go that far. But I think they have a legit shot. And maybe they need one more piece. And you have to start looking at matchups. Like, who is the guy that is not only going to help us, but specifically help us in a matchup with the Nets or against the Bucks? I don't look. You it's don't look at the Jeremy other Grant. conferences. Yeah, I'm already much. thinking. I'm already yeah. thinking in my head. I'm putting Jeremy Grant on Kevin Durant. I'm putting Jeremy Grant on like you know any one of these these. Uh... Yeah, no, I probably would put Jeremy Grant on Giannis. Like, like, like I'm, I'm thinking about just the versatility that he would bring to the table. Right. And he brings different things too, because when you look at your, you, you want to look at your crunch time lineup, right? And if you do that right now for the bulls, I mean, it's pretty obvious. It's Vooch, it's DeRozan, it's Levine, it's ball, it's Caruso. And if you get, you know, a Jeremy Grant in there, it allows you, okay, I need to go smaller. Okay. Vooch, you're out. If I need yeah. a little bit more size, then you can sit there and say, okay, it's either going to be I'm going to take Caruso out or I'm going to take Ball out, depending on what I need in that moment. Correct. 
You know, because no I mean, no matter what, Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan are going to be there, you know, in that closing lineup. But the other pieces, you can you can change in and out. I I don't say you're doing that right now, but if you got another piece like a Jeremy Grant, then it would allow you to do that. Right. Talk about a pair of returns that I mentioned there in the open. Kyrie's back. Kyrie's back, and he's going to be at Indiana. That is going to be Kyrie Irving's first game of the season. Steve Nash said somewhere probably around, I'm guessing, 20 to 25 minutes. He might not uh, even sim- start. Similarly, similarly, uh, Clay Thompson expected to make his debut for the Warriors on Sunday against uh, the Cavs, who are going to be on a West Coast road trip starting Friday in Portland. So, um, one, it, it, it's just good to see two really, really talented all-star caliber basketball players re-enter the fold. That's the first thought I have. Uh, I enjoy watching Kyrie Irving play basketball. I think he's one of the most wizardry, like crazy ball handling, amazing layup package players that this league's ever seen. Uh, Clay Thompson, a completely different player. Somebody who can just flamethrow uh, and score in ridiculous bunches, doesn't need to dribble at all, uh, and and plays really solid defense. Like, these are two very different players, but all-star caliber players coming back into the mix. So we'll start with Kyrie. Uh, you know, you mentioned here on the, the outline sheet that the Nets have dropped three in a row. Um, seems the defense has been, uh, you know, kind of uh, regressing a little bit. Um, they've also been dealing with their own um, issues with, with the health and safety protocols. They just got guys back, so maybe there's a little bit of fatigue there. Um, but I think that this Kyrie Irving, you know, re-edition, um, on the road at least, because he's not going to be able to play games at home, uh, I think can give them a little bit of a jolt. And they need it, because I think the biggest thing with the Nets right now and every team has gone through this when it comes to players going into safety and protocol, there is a frustration in that organization right now with what they're doing on the court. And you can see it in in Kevin Durant talking after games with Steve Nash talking after games that, you know, they're losing games in a manner that, you know, they're really disappointed by. And they're, I think they're very concerned about, because you could sit there and say, yeah, you know, it's just a regular season and maybe it's you're hitting a little bit of a lull. But you can see that they, those two in particular do not like it just because they do not want to set the precedent. They don't want to set this up as, oh, we will settle for this. And Kyrie coming back now, you know, that's really going to help them, I think, like you said, get a, a jolt in the arm. And that's something that they need right now. And I, and I think that, you know, getting him back and then putting a little bit more emphasis on guys, let's get it together. You know, we've got to win these games right now. There's no fooling around and let's, let's not get used to losing. I think that's all kind of coinciding at the, the same time that let's put it together here and let's, let's stop this lull because they have too many veterans to not. I yeah. mean, I think that they're the, the, the presences they have on the team. They're extremely mature. Um, I I have no like concern about that whatsoever. You're gonna go through your ups and downs in a season. I don't care what team you are. Uh, you are, but you could tell that especially KD is disgusted by it. Oh yeah, of course. I mean, KD also holds you know that that higher principle. But you know, 
you look at you know some of these these shot attempt numbers that that he's had. It hasn't been great. You know, some of them gone cold a little bit. Uh, Patty Mills went 0 of six uh, from the field in in that game uh, against the uh, the Grizzlies. Like, and by the way, the Grizzlies are just a buzzsaw right now. They ran into them. I feel like Philly's starting to really come together. So they they ran into them at the wrong time. Uh, so you know, it it also could be the opponents. Um, I, I again, I, I don't have too many concerns. I think it's it's positive to see what we've seen from from Nick Claxton. Uh, whether he started or come off the bench, I think that he's found a little bit of a groove uh, as their as their big man. I think you know they have really again solid veterans uh, coming off the bench like a James Johnson. Um, when you have Lamarcus Aldridge uh, entering the game, like they have guys that are seasoned and know what they're doing. So, what well, helps that Kevin Harden is. I say this both literally and figuratively rounding into shape. Which um, one? James Harden or Kevin James Harden? Harden. I said, oh, I didn't say Kevin. Um, <laughs> like the wrong guy, but, um, but James Harden is, is finally like starting to look like we're used to when it comes to scoring and get to the free throw line a little bit more. Yes. He still looks out of shape, but it's just like, as long as you're putting up the numbers, who cares? Maybe that's the holidays. <laughs> no, he's but he's looked like this the entire season though. No, I know, I know. It, it's so weird. It's just like uh, I don't know. Remember, was it last year where like he looked heavy and then like went on the sabbatical for two weeks and came back and it looked like he didn't eat the entire time and he looked rail thin. It's just like maybe he needs to go on another one of these sabbaticals. Possibly, but I, I again, I I don't share the same amount of concern as they do. Um, wrong teams at wrong times that they're running into. That's just I. They're they'll be fine. I yeah. think they'll be fine. I don't think they need to make some crazy ass move. No, uh, not yet. I mean, they're going to well. be active at the deadline, but yeah, they're if not anything, you point. find a shooter like that's you know they don't have Joe Harris. They haven't had Joe Harris like, and Joe Harris is make- probably the guy that they could move even when he gets back healthy because. You know, he's been so up and down and he's not providing anything defensively. So, you know, could they find a taker for him? You know, if they if they find an upgrade or what they believe would be an upgrade. So, right. Of course. But Kyrie coming back into the fold again, uh, just having another guy that can take the the ball handling pressure off of both either Kevin Durant or James Harden. James Harden obviously has the ball in his hands more in Katie's playing off ball and driving off of the catch and whatnot, pulling up from mid-range. I mean, we'll probably see a lot of ISO with Kyrie when he comes back because he's going to be itching. He's going to be itching to go out there, score, put on a show. Um, But, I mean, if he comes back, and whether it's in the first game or second game or whatever, but if he comes back and he's back in form very, very quickly, I think the interesting thing is going to be see how this Nets team adjusts in road games with Kyrie. And home games without him. That yeah, that is that's a first. I mean, let's be honest, guys. That's a first. We've never seen this before in NBA history, to where one person is able to play on the road and cannot in front of their home fans. Never seen it. Yeah. So what's this team going to do? Because you can easily get spoiled with somebody that talented being on the team, and you know, there's a there's a way of playing. But then when you don't have him. You know, and it's it's not like an injury thing where you sit there and go, okay, we're not going to have him for two weeks, three weeks, whatever. Okay, that's a solid. We'll adjust. This is turn it off, turn it on with adjustments. You know, on almost a game to game basis in in some aspects. 
And in the playoffs, you'll see the Nets lay down at home so that they can go on the road for a game seven and Kyrie can play. How about that? That, that There's going to be some strategy involved in there. Maybe they'll ask the league if they could play their home game someplace else. <laughs> Maybe. Is Maybe. Orlando available? I know they're not going to make the playoffs. Can we make our home games in Orlando? <laughs> so the other debut we're about to see is Clay Thompson, as mentioned. Yeah. Uh, Warriors Sunday versus the Cavs. This one comes at a time where they, they don't even need him. They don't even need him. Uh, we need him as basketball fans. We need to see Clay Thompson finally back after these two devastating injuries to see he's, this he's guy coming back into the fold when Andrew Wiggins is playing his ass off. Gary Payton uh, has come into the fold and been just absolutely tremendous. Jordan Poole now he's a super sub to uh, uh, you know sixth man who went out and scored thirty two the other night against the the Heat on 12 of 17 from the field. Like, so Clay's going to slide in probably right where Gary Payton is. I'm guessing going to guess on that one. Uh, Draymond is playing that crazy point guard, but starting at the four role uh, that he's always played in golden state. And now you're thinking to yourself, is history going to repeat itself? Are these guys going to be on the same page from day one? Because they know each other so well, it doesn't matter that he's been out for two years. They know where Clay's going to be on the floor. They know what Clay can do when he sprays those triples. They know how good of a defender he is. There's usually this point when someone comes back in and you need an adjustment period. Maybe that's true physically, but I think mentally and with this team, it's going to be seamless. I, I don't see any way that Clay doesn't come in and immediately drop 15 points. Because they know what spots on the floor he's going to be. He knows where he's going to be. And that that's happened for the last, you know, before he got hurt two years ago, that had happened for five, six year, uh, years straight. So that's not going to change. Maybe it, maybe it affects where Wiggins is on the floor. Maybe it affects what happens, uh, you know, with what Kevon Looney's doing, for example, or, or something like that. But for him... He's going to come back in and be same spots, uh, same screens, same cuts, whatever it is. It's going to be the same. I don't, I don't think that there's going to be any sort of adjustment for him. If anything, it's going to be an adjustment for the Wiggins of the team and the Porters of the team and guys who haven't played with him enough. I think that he's one of the guys, the one of the few people in the league, him, Kevin Durant, guys like that, that you can plop them down in any situation. And I think they will be an instant fit. And it's not just the chemistry that he has with those guys that you mentioned, um, but it's, it's just his game as well. And then when you look at just the way that Golden State plays, he's doing things and he's going to be taking minutes away from guys that are doing similar things. It's just that Clay does them better. He's going to be taking away minutes from Gary Payton and he's going to be taking minutes from Jordan Poole and guys like that. And they're doing similar things. It's just now you have Clay Thompson doing them. One of the greatest shooters in NBA history and a guy that once he gets his legs under him is one of the best two-way players in the league. Yeah. And that adding that to a team that's at the very top of the NBA at 29 and seven, that's just like, 
Oh no, here we go again. And the whole thing <laughs> for them too is just like, let's get Clay back. Let's get his legs going. He's going to play probably 15 to 20 minutes a game. Sounds like he's not going to be playing in back-to-backs. And they'll just ease him in. And ease him like, right in. And you know what? If he is at as close to 100% um, by the playoffs, then we're good to go. That's what it's all about. It's easing him back in, making him feel comfortable, and developing some chemistry with his teammates, which we both don't think is going to be a problem. And then by the time you know the playoffs roll around or even, you know, Several weeks before that, if we're seeing old Clay Thompson and everybody is, you know, on the same page and clicking, then we're good to go. We have that extra element for the playoffs. By the way, how crazy is it that this game, Clay's going to come back on Sunday at home against the Cavs? And we already know that ticket prices are bad out there at the Oracle. Some tickets are going for as much as $14,000 to see Clay's return. Good God. 14K for what a regular they, season. They, okay, reverse the roles. What if it was Steph? What if it was Steph instead of Clay in that situation? 20, at least 20. Maybe I would more. Say, I'd, I'd say double that. Yeah. Like, Could be 25, that's crazy. Yeah. But that also shows how much he's loved in that community and how much he's loved by those fans. Oh, yeah. And how much disposable income those people get out there. But um, but he, he is beloved. I mean, that is the true thing. Because when you talk about the core of that team, we're talking about Clay. We're talking about Steph. We're talking about Draymond. Yep. The, those, those are the guys. And, you well know, aware it, of that. It is still Steph's team no matter what. But, man, they, they love Clay and rightfully so. And I'm sure he's looking forward to getting out there, knocking down some threes, getting a win, and going to the locker room and enjoying himself a nice bud. No question. Let's take a pause in the action here real quick. We did mention earlier about Kyrie Irving's return in Brooklyn. That is going to uh, put on some interesting player props. So we're going to talk about our prize picks here, Brian and myself. Remember, if you visit prizepicks.com, app.prizepicks.com, all users that deposit and use the promo code NEWS will receive a 100% instant deposit matched up to 100 bucks. And so uh, I enter the new year with a new slate. A new slate. I think I was like 0-7 <laughs> coming into today. I would like to remind everybody that last time we did a podcast, um, yeah, I hit. I hit easily, too, which was great. My boy. Actually, you know what? I say I hit easily. That's not true because I did have Russell Westbrook on over on points, and he didn't go over until like the final two minutes of that game. But I felt pretty confident about it. You know, even down the stretch. So, but yeah, the other ones, I had Rubio on the over, which he did like in the first quarter. And then unfortunately he tore his ACL, which really, really sucked. But, um, but yeah, I, um, I hit and uh, you did not. So um, I just want to I did not. There. Herb Jones did hit one three. He did, which was Gary Harris. The text Gary that Harris, I got from you. <laughs> Gary, Fer- Gary Harris did fall short uh, by 0. 0.0 or, or 0.5. Uh, on his point total. And uh, Joel Embiid uh, did not get his rebounding numbers because, oh, uh, Pascal Siakam entered the game uh, when we thought he was out to health and safety protocols. So uh, I'm going to uh, use that excuse. Oh, I see how he is. Oh, I'm blaming the healthy player for wanting to go out there and costing me. Yes. Yes, I am. I'm coming in strong, though. Coming in strong. 2022, we're starting it off with a bang. So 
let's go ahead and name our picks. So I have three off the bat that I already know of. Everybody's going to be looking at Kyrie Irving in that Indiana game. Everybody. So who is going to not be seen? Who's coming off of an eight for 24 night that didn't play very well and was vocal about the team after the loss? Oh, that'd be Kevin Durant, wouldn't it? Kevin Durant, 26 and a half points. Give me the over. Give me the over on that, even with Kyrie Irving's return. Let's see here. The last three games, he scored 26, 28, and 33 for Mr. KD. He's due for a solid showing. Maybe this is one of those 40-point nights. I just got a little feeling, especially against an Indiana team coming off a back-to-back. Just lost one in New York last night. Not feeling great about itself. Give me KD. KD on that 26 and a half. Stick on the points train. We know that Jimmy Butler has been sidelined with an ankle injury. Who has been playing well in his absence? Usually playing well in his absence. Mr. Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero, 23 and a half points. Give me the over. The over on that one. Because uh, someone's going to need to score for that team. And by the way, uh, a major kudos to Mr. Eric Spolstra for doing the job he has done with this team this year. They are 23 and 15. And I don't have the stats in front of me. And I know they've dropped their last two. But my goodness, with that roster uh, and how depleted it has been all season long for them to be where they are currently is nothing short of uh, incredible. So uh, we will take Mr. Hero. Uh, No, not the food chain around here in Northeast Ohio, but rather the basketball player for the Miami Heat above 23 and a half points. And then I found an easy one. I think this is a very easy one coming up next. We were just talking about the Golden State Warriors. No, Clay Thompson is not coming back tonight. He's coming back on Sunday. But who just came off of his worst shooting game of the season? That'd be one Mr. Steph Curry. Steph Curry, one of 10 from the field, only scored nine points. I don't know last time he scored in single digits. That's probably a good stat to look up. But he had 10 dimes. The game before that, he had nine dimes. Price picks his listing five assists as his over-under. Give me the over. Give me the over, and I will be doing all of them, all three. We're not doing the two out of three stuff. We're doing the full on. Give me all three. Power Let play it up. Money. Yeah, because Ooh. when it comes to your picks on price picks, when you do the power play and you have to hit all of them, um, when you pick three, if you do hit on all, you win five times the amount that you wager. Otherwise, yep. it's two times or three times, but if you power play, you must hit on all of them. But you get We always go big. Times. We always go big. And I, luckily, it's, <laughs> it's not too much of my money. Yes. Uh, so here's my three picks. I'll run through them quickly. I was on the same wavelength as you. And by the way, I made my picks even before you made yours. Uh, and I put them in here. I just didn't tell you what I did. But I was with you, Kevin Durant, over 26 and a half. Anthony Simons, 
who put up a career best 43 in his last game for Portland. They are taking on the Miami Heat. He will not get anywhere close to that. I am taking the under 19 and a half. In fact, in the previous eight games, I think he always scored more than 11 points one time. So I think that one I feel really good about. Calling and, that a fluke. Calling that a fluke. Yep. And the other one is Draymond Green, Mr. I don't want to even shoot. I could care less about scoring eight and a half points. I'm taking the under. The under eight and a half points for Draymond Green. So okay. that's my three. And I power play those picks as well. We only power play here at Keeping It 94. We go big or go home. Mama didn't raise nobody. That's a wuss. Okay. That's just, that's just how we do it. Got to go all in, all in. But reminder, guys, that is prizepicks.com, app.prizepicks.com. Remember, 100% match up to $100. So next, next subject I wanted to hit, and this one caught my eye. This isn't even uh, related to any of the games that were played on Tuesday, but something that caught my eye was that Travis Schlank went on Atlanta radio Tuesday morning and talked about how the guys aren't playing defense. And this is really interesting because you don't usually see general managers pop off on their team. And the reason being Trey young coming off of this 56.14 assist game first in NBA history, by the way, with those numbers, but they lost in Portland. So that had to spark some sort of conversation. How do you lose with that? You know, it's all, it's usually the Blazers on the receiving end because it's usually Dame Lillard doing those things and it comes at a loss. But it was Trey Young the other night. That probably um, was a tipping point, I would assume. If you get that kind of offensive effort out of Trey Young, you have to get stops. I will, I will share with you uh, the quotes that he told to 92-9 the game uh, in Atlanta. Schlenk. We're seeing the same thing every game. Again, last night we had the lead going into the fourth quarter. Then we can't keep it. Sound like a broken record here, but it's the same thing every game. Ultimately, this all falls on me. So we've got to take a long look at this and see if this is the group we saw last year and in the second and half of the season, or if it's the group we're seeing this year. And we have to determine uh, if we have to make adjustments off of those. Obviously, you can tell I'm a little frustrated. I think there's a belief that we're a good team. There's a belief that we can score. But right now, there's no sense of urgency to make a stop. No sense of accountability. It's just not there. You guys watch the games. If somebody gets scored on, they go down on the other end. It doesn't bother us. It's a hard pill to swallow when your team is not playing as well as you think it should. Maybe I need to lower my expectations for this team. Ultimately, this all falls on my shoulders. I put this group together, and they're not responding. We need to take a deep look for sure. Maybe it wasn't such a great idea to bring everybody back. That's on me. We have a few weeks here at the trade deadline, and that's what I need to figure out. It's my responsibility to put a product on the floor that can win. Right now, I'm questioning whether or not I have done that. There's one little quote in that quote. That's a five-alarm fire when he says, maybe I shouldn't have brought everybody back. That, that is like eyes pop out of your head like, whoa. That, that just puts everybody on notice. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Bringing guys back. So you think about who they resigned. They resigned John Collins. Is he looking at John Collins' defensive effort as something that's not working? Uh, I think 
it's natural to ask, you know, DeAndre Hunter having dealt with all of these injuries, if it's really fair to put that on him. Um, Clint Capella has he, not played as well. You know, as, he, I mean, DeAndre Hunter hasn't played since November 12th. So, like, that's a huge piece of their team that they're missing. Yeah. And, and is incredibly important to their defensive, um, you know, efforts. You know, I, mean, I mentioned. You don't usually hear that from a GM. Yeah. Absolutely. You don't. It is, it is strange to, to hear that. And uh, good for him though. If that's what he believes and he's passionate about it, that's what he feels like it's going to take for his team. And, you know, Atlanta is a team that we've been talking about for a while. They think would be very active and a team that could do like a, a two for one or a three for one trade. You know, they, they obviously have some different pieces. We can sit here and say, maybe guys haven't played up to what the expectation but they could be valuable to other teams. Um, you know, you look like a guy like um, Gallinari, who is making over $20 million, but I believe only $5 million of it's guaranteed next year. So, you know, the burden isn't there for a guy like him. And maybe some other teams sit there and say, he could help us. And then Cam Reddish is a name that's been out there for a while. And... You know, I think he could use a, a different home where maybe he can find a, a better fit, more consistency. And then outside of that, it's who do they feel comfortable with possibly trading? You know, would it be um, Bogdanovich? Would it be Hunter? Uh, could it be Herder? I don't know. Isn't it incredible how quickly it's unraveled, though? Like, it is strange because, I mean, they played so well. I mean, I thought they were going to so prove it last year. Yeah. Sports I mean, is so crazy to me. This they were year, literally though, in the they were literally in the conference finals last year, right? Like, and, and and I thought they were going to be so like, oh well, look how quickly they did this, and they're going to stay because they can bring back this entire team. But it's changed, and this year the, Sun, just, the Suns literally did the same exact thing. Yes, and they're fine. But they've it's a little bit of a. I don't think they have as many young guys. From okay. a sample of what they're asking, but I mean, it's, it's just this season as well. This is a weird season. It's a very, very weird season because of how many players have gone in and out and all the different restrictions that come with what everybody has to go through and going on the road and, you know, even being at home and there's various restrictions, you know, on what you can do, what you can't do. And then, like I said, with players coming in and out, it's, it's a strange season. Every every time I start to feel like, okay, I feel pretty confident about this or that, then something weird happens, you know, and yeah. it, it, it's tough. I mean, who would have thought that the Grizzlies would be doing what they're doing right now? You know, who, I mean, or Cleveland, you know, or Cleveland. I mean, there's, there's a bunch of different things that are going on and, and the Hawks are one of the big mysteries out there as well, because they are not playing uh, up to the expectations, obviously. And, and we'll see if they actually do go through and make a big change here midseason. That's always tough because you can sit there and say, didn't work. We'll do it in the off season, but to do it in midseason would be very, very bold. And to me, if they were going to do something bold during the middle of the season, that screams Ben Simmons. Oh, talk to me because I'm not, you know, you talk about trying to have defense and a guy that can play multiple positions and because that's what some of the other guys do. They play multiple positions, but now you're talking about a guy that doesn't need shots 
but can do things offensively when it comes to driving to the rim, cutting, um, fast break opportunities, pushing the tempo, and obviously, you know, one of the best defenders in the league. That sounds like somebody they could use. And that would be a two-for-one, three-for-one trade. It's just, would they be bold enough to try that? And is there a package that Philly would be happy with? And I think that's that's the tough part, is I don't know that if really- Philly would be uh, thrilled with it, with what they could offer. Mm-hmm. You'd almost have to get a third team involved in that situation. Yeah, you you really would. I mean, I don't know if Philly's really going to change their mind about what they think they can get. You know, I mean, I've always kind of been of the belief of, yeah, I know you want to get a superstar player, but you've got Joel Embiid. He's only got so many great years, you know, in him. Maury has stuck to his word. Yeah. <laughs> and like, it's just like, get, get somebody can help you now. I'm not saying you just give them away, but mm-hmm. find guys that you think are going to be good chemistry guys are going to make your team better and can take advantage of this window that you have with Embiid. But, yeah. you know, that's not what Daryl's doing, you know, and uh, we'll see what other packages that are going to be available. But, like, when you hear that that conversation coming from Travis Slank, to me, the, the player that screams is Ben Simmons. Yeah, sure. We'll see. Who knows? Who knows where Ben ends up? Uh, it's been nice not to talk about him this season, hasn't it? We only were talking about him every other day this summer. But we could be talking about him now because the trade deadline's coming up and we're going to see, like, okay, is Philly really going to ride this out for the entire year or somebody else going to step up? Because you sit there and you could say, okay, Atlanta feels like a fit. Um, who else could use him? But I don't know how they could get him. Dallas. Um, you know, Sacramento has been a fit. And they really sound like, okay, it is time to do something. Like, we didn't do it in the offseason. Probably and Halliburton's taken off as the as the guy here with with Fox he, out. You know, Fox just, came back into the fold, but Fox's attempts are down and all that. Like, how long have I been screaming about Halliburton and healed for Simmons throwing some picks? Can we That's go back the to deal. the tape, Brian? Can we go back to the tape, Brian? I've been saying it since the off season. I've that, been to I've been talking about a deer and a deer and Fox Ben Simmons swap for how long now? See, if I was Philly, I would not want to do that one because of... Or adding in pieces or whatever, but yes, Aaron Fox but, being but I mean, the, the big piece. I would rather have Halliburton and healed than be saddled with that salary that Jaron Fox has. But well, what's the salary that Ben Simmons has? Oh, I know. But, mm-hmm. you know, but when you look at Fox and you're looking at a point guard that could be a little bit undersized and definitely doesn't play a lick of defense, um, I, I, if I'm going to go with the higher salary, I'd rather do it with somebody like Ben even with the problems that he presents because they make the same amount of money. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, Embiid's going uh, total, total Jojo Jokic ish in this streak uh, four in a row, by the way, for Philly um, perfect road trip. They win by 21 at Washington beat uh, a hot Toronto team, by the way, right now uh, in Toronto. And uh, then they go into Brooklyn and win on the road. Uh, and beat Houston handily uh, on uh, Monday. But Embiid averaging 34.3 points, 11.5 rebounds, 1.5 blocks, 1.5 steals on 60% from the field and 53% from deep. So uh, We talked about the Bulls before, and you're talking about what Embiid is doing right now 
And, you know, we've talked about Jokic and uh, last podcast and, you know, the numbers he's putting up, especially they're better than last year when he was MVP. We know what Curry's doing. We know what Durant's doing. I know we're just coming up on that midway point of the season. But, man, is this league deep and the MVP race is going to be incredible. It's it's a chase. It's a chase right now. Like, I, I... Everyone says Steph, and I understand that because you look at the record, you look at where they were last year. I get it. I get it. But it ain't clear cut. It ain't clear cut. You look at like what KD was doing in the first, I don't know, 20 games of the season. Uh, You look at Giannis's just individual numbers, Uh, like DeMar DeRozan and the clutch factor, Jokic keeping the Nuggets just even above water it's tough that's a tough it's a tough argument i mean it always does but i think more so than maybe how some LeBron? other groups. how's lebron not in the mvp conversation how's that team a game over 500 right now well they got they they have to improve on the record for i think lebron to get in the conversation even more but i mean this I think there's going to be more. John Morant, guys. John Morant should be in the MVP conversation. He could be the way that he's been playing. He's averaging almost 34 points a game in the last six games while they're on this, this streak. So, I mean, you go down. I mean, once we get in the second half of the season, I think even in the final, like, third of the season, maybe even the last quarter games of the season, they, we could have three, four, five guys still in the race. By then, you normally have, like, two, three guys but I, 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 would, I legit think you could have four or five guys you could still be talking about for the MVP race. And, you know, our last podcast we talked about, like, you got to keep Jokic in there. I mean, I know the Nuggets are around 500, but the numbers you that he puts to. up are ridiculous. But now I think just as much because you want to talk about records are a factor into this and what they're doing. I mean, we've got to start talking about DeMar DeRozan as well. He's in this mix. I'm not saying he would be the top of it, but he's in the mix with the Bulls record, what he has done on that team, game winners, um, overall numbers. This dude came in here and people were were laughing about them trading for him. Like, they they were like, oh my gosh, how is he going to fit to this team? Including me. You could go back on our podcast and say, him and Levine kind of do the same things. I don't really know about this fit. And they've just told us to shove it. (laughs) Like, uh, both of those guys have told us to shut it, shove it. Levine's taken a little bit less of a, like, like I feel like DeRozan's become the number one guy on this team. I thought I and saw somewhere where, you know, DeMar is now 32 years old and he's basically putting up the same numbers as Kobe did when he was 32. Yep. Pretty wild. Who, who would have thought that? People in the off season were wondering, like, who's going to give him any kind of money it's not going to be that much, or it's not going to be like a match. He was like one deal. of the last ones to find a new home. Right. Like, I, I mean, there was obviously something was cooking there for a while. And uh, we between, you know, him and Chicago. But, I mean, I don't think anybody expected this. I, I was like, oh, he's still a good player. But I don't think he's a superstar necessarily anymore. And DeMar just told all of us to shove it. He really did. It's kind of Emph- fun to watch, too. Emphatically. He's great to watch. You know, yes, I, I, I think it's it's him like torching everybody that didn't think he had it anymore, and on top of that, being pissed that he didn't end up in L.A. because he thought that deal was done to go to the Lakers. 
I, there's, there's what six players right now that thought they were, they had a done deal. We're going to the Lakers. I'm going, man. A buddy Hill. That's done. Get you just hit, you just hit seven I, threes against you guys. Right. Right. Like I'm on my way. Here we go. Bags are packed. Wait, what? I'm not going just showcasing, just showcasing right. DeMar DeRozan. All right. Going to LA, going back home. What? what? You know, it's, I mean, there we at was, least got to give eight. Hey, listen. You guys yeah. got the one. You guys got the win last night. You've won three in a row. I know you haven't, you haven't been happy with the three, the winning streak, but Ooh, LeBron's playing center. Russell Westbrook didn't turn a ball over for the first time since 2013 last night. Over 400 okay. games. Which, <laughs> what a streak that is! That's amazing. Yes, that is that's, amazing. That's, that's, that's pretty incredible. They, they're but, playing a little bit better him. with LeBron at center, but. I mean, their defense is not good. I mean, neither is their, quite honestly, neither is their offense. Their offense is still very clunky. It's still very haphazard. Their defense, there's no defense on the perimeter. There's still none. And guys getting into the rim. Maybe that can change a little bit once AD comes back, maybe. And I'm not even sure when it's going to be. Probably at least another three weeks or whatever. But the offense... I guess has gotten a slight better with LeBron at center just because of the matchups they can do. But the big thing is just how much they're leaning on LeBron and what ridiculous numbers he's putting up because he's averaging 34 points, almost 10 boards and six assists in the last nine games. Oh, yeah. He's 37 years old. He's hitting threes. He's doing ridiculous things out there. Um, and then on top of Where's that, Malik, the beep? Where's the beep? Because uh, he's a boop, boop problem. Yes, he That's is. What he That's said. what he said to the bench. bench. Um, Malik Monk has really picked up his game as well offensively. Uh, so there's that. But I mean, there's, I mean, there's still problems all over the place. This teams. I, I know they won four or five, but if you watch them, you can you can see the issues. And by the way, you want to win those games, but it's nothing big to beat. At, be at home and beat the T-Wolves who are missing two of their best three, four players, you know, and you had to come from behind the fourth quarter to win that game. And then to get in a shootout at home with Sacramento and just outlast them in that game. So, I mean, a win is a win, but uh, these wins are nothing to brag about yet. I was going to say that schedule has been a little too as well. During the five out of the, the, the four wins that they've had in the last five games was, at Houston and then at home against Portland, Minnesota, and Sacramento. The one loss they had was at Memphis, but that was a good game. That was a good game. I remember watching that game. Um, they do have a rematch with Memphis coming up this Sunday, so that'll be fun. But speaking of Memphis, my God, I got a chance to look at them on uh, Tuesday night here in Cleveland, and they just, they're just they on some sort of roll right now. They're in six, six straight um, wins. Uh, we already mentioned John Morant's just re- incredible impact. But even when John Morant was on the sideline, you've just seen vast improvements from guys like Desmond Bain. Uh, you're looking at J- Jaron Jackson Jr., who, uh, you know, held his own against, uh, you know, pretty tough, tough matchup in, in Evan Mobley last night. And that's funny to say because Jaron Jackson Jr. is a fourth-year pro and Evan Mobley's a a rookie, but that's just how impactful Evan Mobley's been. Uh, but, I think that uh, they're, they're just on this role right now, uh, playing completely, you know, together. Um, I, I love just the the, the buy-in that they've had. Uh, I, I think that uh, you've seen some good things from Jarrett Culver during this streak. I think, uh, by the way, you know, Kyle Anderson's been out with the health and safety protocols, as has Dylan Brooks. So they've been 
relying on other guys like a Killian Tilly, who's had struggles from shooting right now. Um, but you know, getting good efforts off the bench guys like Brandon Clark, you know, like who, who used to be, uh, thought of, uh, as a, a building piece. Um, but I, I think that they've done a really good job of just kind of staying the course all season and you're going to have to start paying attention to them. You're going to have to start paying attention to them. Uh, they've got depth. They've got a little bit of this mean to them. They call it Grizz next gen. Um, even the rookie, you know, even the rookie, um, uh, Zaire Williams is playing good ball for them and had, you know, some clutch shots last night. Um, and then you just add in John Morant, who's just unconscious right now. He didn't even have a good game up until the fourth quarter in Cleveland. And then he just took it home. He's been one of the more clutch players this year. I put him up there with DeRozan uh, in these situations. And the tough shot making and the just grinding into the, the into traffic and all that stuff. He's, I hate, I hate saying he's a problem because it's, it's such an annoying phrase, but he is a problem. He really is a problem. But that's a good sign when you're having a bad game but can turn it on in the clutch. That's a great sign. And when you look at this Grizzlies team, they're not just playing well this year. This is what they've been working towards from the standpoint that they are set up for the future. The foundation is there. It's just keep building on what they have. And maybe some of that's going to be taking some of these pieces and cashing them in in a trade uh, or just keeping what they got and seeing where it goes. I, I still think they're an unfinished product. There's there's a couple other pieces they could probably use. But when you've got a guy like John Morant and you see the way that they're playing and the way that they've turned their season around defensively, I mean, the pieces are I think Steven Adams is a, bit, is a big part of that. It's not like he's like this giant, you know, rim protector, right? But mm -hmm. just the body and the threat of having someone as big as him and his rebounding ability in the middle, I think, is is huge. Um, and he's constantly giving them extra opportunities. I mean, my God, the the offensive rebounding numbers that he's had this season uh, is is astounding. Um, you know, and he's always you know doing the back taps or you know keeping the you know grabbing the ball and putting it up for a second chance points and whatnot. He's not gonna you know put up these flashy stats or anything like that, but he goes out there and provides that that extra boost when guys do miss shots in the case that they do miss shots. And I think that's, that's big time right there to have somebody with that ability. Um, and, you know, I, I just think he kind of brings a toughness to them and, sure. and it fits the mold of what they have. And I think this is a franchise that knows and is willing to spend money to be a winner that they will go that extra step when it, when it's necessary, they've been building. And now they're at that point where they believe like, we've got a winner. We've got a foundation here. Now let's, let's go the extra mile to see what we can really do, especially when the Western conference, I know that they have golden state and they have Phoenix and they've got Utah. You've got, and especially when you talk about a juggernaut like golden state. Um, but the, the West is not as strong as it was. The weird things can happen, especially in the playoffs. And it's not just a one-year thing. It's a two, three, four-year thing. And 
you look at this team and they sit there and they feel like, hey, we're playing great right now. Maybe we're just one or two pieces away uh, from really being among the elite. No question. And uh, just to wrap things up, a few a few things that I just wanted to mention. Bradley Beal finding himself again here, you know, averaging something over 30 points a game in his last like five games or something like that. Um, really good news for the Wizards who need it. Kind of scuffling there, uh, kind of scuffling there a little bit. Uh, but in his last six games, averaging over 30 a game, nine assists, um, and is shooting 52% from the field. So that's good for the Wizards, a good sign for the Wizards. They definitely need that. Some, uh, I, some I bad news earlier. for the Blazers, though. Um, the news just came out. Damian Lillard's going to miss their next three games. He's going to be reevaluated next week uh, over a lower abdominal tendinopathy. It's still the abdomen. Oh, my goodness. Yep. That's crazy. So he's missing at least three more games. He's going to be reevaluated. That news just came out from uh, from Portland. So oh, that's not good. It is not good. And by the way, I know that Portland won a couple of nights ago. Mm-hmm. I've seen some of the Blazers this year. I hadn't seen them in a little while. And then I saw the game they played against the Lakers late last week. I don't think I've ever seen a team sleepwalk through a game that much. It was horrible. I mean, they were down 20, like in a blink of an eye to a team that's not that great. And I I just wonder when it comes to that team, like, they, they've got to blow it up. I don't know if it happens in the offseason or what they try to do before the trade deadline. They Moves are coming in Portland. It's probably, yeah, I say it's probably time. It's probably it time. Is, it is side. time. And maybe they, you can sit there and talk about what a franchise player Damian Lillard is. You don't like to give up on those guys, especially for what they do on the court, but what they also mean to your team. And it's easy to second guess, but you really got to wonder now, like with the problems he's had on the court, you know, injury wise, shooting wise, it's probably all tied into one another. I think, you know, he got hurt over the summer playing with the Olympic team, but you have to wonder, like, maybe they should have thought a little bit more about trading him in the off season. I don't know. Yeah. But like I said, hindsight is 2020. It's, it's, it's always easy to look back on, you know, always 2020, a few more tidbits here. Uh, Three straight 30-point games for Fred Van Vliet. I mentioned that Toronto's on fire. They've won three in a row, and they're now back at 500. Uh, I think it's, uh, you know, we have to mention that uh, Mr. Luka Doncic is back into the fold after, I believe it was an ankle injury and also health and safety protocols. He had a couple things going on. Uh, But Luka is back in the mix now, and I have no idea how that team is one game over 500, but they are. Uh, So... Just a, a few other, you know, things I wanted to mention before we got out of here. But I do have to get going. So I want to say thank you for listening, guys. Uh, we are part of basketballnews.com podcast network. Got other ones for you to listen to. And that is The Dunker Spot with Nikias Duncan and Steve Jones Jr. The Alex Kennedy Podcast with Alex Kennedy. The Rematch with Aton Thomas. Dishes and Dimes with the Ladies. And, of course, Nothing But Bets, a, ga- a daily gambling podcast uh, with Evan Sidery. Again, visit basketballnews.com. We've got a ton of great film breakdown features, all of that good stuff on the homepage. So make sure you go check that out. I am on Twitter at Spin Davies. He is on Twitter at Brian Fritz. I am on Instagram at Spin Davies. He is on Instagram at It's Brian Fritz. So give us a follow there. And for our podcast, please leave a comment, subscribe, rate, review, do all those good things. 
for our entire network uh, here at basketballnews.com. And until next time, we will see you later. 